I'm uh, looking forward to continuing this message. I got to tell you, you know, there are some messages that, that I like, and there's some messages that I love. I feel I'm in love with this message, and I am so excited to share it because I feel that God has brought those who need to hear this message. And we're talking about discovering our dreams. Why were we created? What's our purpose? Why were we formed? And I want to start off with a story that I found about a gentleman who was traveling. And uh, if any of y'all have traveled, I used to travel extensively, especially when we were first married. And uh, the gentleman was in Atlanta, and he was looking through the phone book to see where he wanted to eat, and he found a, a place that was called the Church of God Grill. So he, he thought, boy, that's kind of an interesting name for a restaurant. So he actually called the restaurant. And there was a gentleman who answers, hello, Church of God Grill. And he said, by the way, so where are you located at? What's on your menu? He starts talking to the gentleman. And he says, by the way, that is such an interesting name for a church. How did you come up with Church of God Grill? And he goes, well, uh, we used to have a mission right down here in the inner city, and we started selling chicken dinners after church to help raise money for the bills. And in fact, the chicken business became so popular that people liked the chicken more than the church, so then we started cutting back a little on the church time so we could serve more chicken, and then eventually we went ahead and closed the church down so we could just focus on the chicken. There are people that are very similar to the Church of God Grill because they've lost their purpose in life. They've involved themselves in something that was not God's calling or involved themselves in a person that was distracting them from their calling. They got dis distracted by just the pressures of life and what started out was the church that was preaching God's word has now become just a great chicken place. I don't want us as a church just to be a good chicken place, okay? Because the church has been called to do a specific thing. We are called to make a difference. We are called to be a light. We're called to be salt in this world. People believe that God has a plan and a purpose for their lives. I think if we took a poll, everyone believes that God has a plan and purpose for our lives. But what happens is when that purpose is not in your heart, it is not going to be in your life. If it's not in your heart, it's not going to be in your life. You can get distracted. You can have opportunities come that you think are great, and it was sent by Satan to distract you completely from what you were called to do. There will be people sent by Satan into your life to completely destroy and distract you while they're loving you and patting your back and telling you what a great person you are. And man, we love that attention. Oh, this person is encouraging me, but slowly they're distracting you from your calling. It's happening. It's happening in the church. It's happening in our lives. And we have to recognize. We have to be spending time in the Word of God so we have that sensitive in our spirit that this is not a good thing. Oh, but everything around it looks good. Inside, we know it's not a good thing. It can be a distraction. We as born-again believers have a great opportunity to touch other people and to change destiny for them. The problem is we have people 
that are walking around not fulfilling their purpose. And they just feel like they're existing. If you feel like you are just going through life existing, you are probably not on track with the purpose that God had planned for your life. Why did God create us? That's what we've been trying to figure out. Our passage that has been going on for the last two Sundays prior to this is Ephesians 2.10. It's been our theme through this passage. And it says, God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared for us to do. And as you know, good works are not the way to heaven. Good works are what we are designed to do because we can impact people either positively or negatively. I could speak a word that will encourage your spirit or I could give a sharp word that would tear you apart. What do I choose to give out today to those people that are around me? Am I going to be a fountain of life or am I going to be a fountain of death? See, there are a lot of people that it's real easy to give fountains of death, gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> boy, there are some old hee-haw people. But we choose to be a fountain of life that our words will give life and encouragement to stand on the word of God. When everyone else is trying to discourage, they need people like you and like me to encourage them in the word of God. And when they come to us and then they get a negative word, they turn away in total despair. That's why I said we have an opportunity to change people's destiny by our words and our actions. We've learned that we are God's workmanship over the last two weeks. We've learned that everyone has a destiny, that everyone has a plan, everyone has a purpose by God. Last week we looked at three things that can hold you back from the plan of God. One was failure. Failure can destroy your dream. We talked about how Peter was closest to Christ, saw the transfiguration, was there in the kind of the inner circle of Christ and denied him, weeped, and the next thing we hear, he's like, I'm going fishing. Who was called to be a fisherman, who was going back to his old lifestyle, going back to what he knew. See, and, and the point was that if you don't know your calling, you can have an experience with God, but if there's not a continuation in your growth, you're going to go back to what you were. You're going to go back to what was common to you because you're not growing in your relationship with Christ. He's created us to be a new creation. Old things are passed away, but we tend to start going back to those old friends and those old habits and the old things that were dragging us and killing us because we just kind of knew that. We don't know what's ahead. We need to press forward without purpose or future. They return to their old ways. Number two that we talked about last week was fear. Fear can hold you back. I like this statement so much I repeated it. Fear is looking at your situation through your weakness. Faith is looking at your situation through God's strength. Amen. Right there. Fear is going to look at your situation through your weaknesses. I can't fight this myself. This is bigger than I am. This sickness, this disease, this layoff, whatever the case is, I can't handle this. Fear feeds on that. And we ought to just walk around big bloated fear. We're fear bags. Faith 
says, you know what? My word says that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's going to give seed to the sower. He is going to be my, my strength. He is my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my peace. He's my joy. He's my strength. Then I start looking at my situations through the faith bag. So we ought to be walking around with big old faith bags. And guess what happens? People love faith bags. I didn't say feed bags, I said faith bags, because what happens all of a sudden, you got to get, and you got to say, give me some of that. I need that. I'm going through a hard time right now. I need some of your faith. Even it was said, help me with my unbelief. That's a, deal, that's a great prayer. If you're feeling weak, say, God, would you help me with my unbelief? Because what's happening is your fear and your faith are constantly fighting for control. And it's how you're looking at that. That was a good message last week. Number three was oversatisfaction. So oversatisfaction can keep you from your destiny because especially here in America, we are so blessed. We have so many Christian TV stations, so many Christian radio stations, so many CDs. Everything. We can just focus on us and say, well, you know what? I'm just going to go into training to be super Christian man. We're super Christian woman, and we don't impact anyone because everything is self-focused on us. We are comfortable. You know what? Satan's not messing with us. The reason why Satan's not messing with you is because you're not a threat to him. He just sees you as a big old fear bag over in the corner. It's like, don't worry about that. All I have to do is say boo, and that person runs. You are a child of the Most High God, and when Satan comes in, you say, it is written, it is written, it is written, and that is the word of God that Satan can't stand up against. Like what Austin shared, the sword. He can't defeat your sword, but he can try to discourage you from pulling it out. Maybe some of our swords have gotten rusty in the holder. From tears of fear. It's time to break loose. Today is the day the Lord has made. That's right. Ecclesiastics 11.1. You're saying, now pastor, how is this fitting in with your passage or message? Ecclesiastics 11.1 says, throw your bread on the surface of the water because you will find it again after many days. Oh, yeah. Imperials used to do it back in the 70s. What does that have to do with us, Pastor? What, 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 no, I was up, I was, man, I was amening you up to this point. Now, you've taken a right turn off a country road. <laughs> Throwing bread out on the water. I grew up in Florida, and there was a lake across the street, and I used to go fishing, and I've thrown bread out on the water. The moment it hit the water, I didn't want to wait a couple days for it to come back. I'm not a real big, soggy bread person, okay? Especially after it hits the water, it's really not going to come back. It's going to dissolve. And there's two sides that I want to talk about this text. Obviously, the first one is about giving. Bread has always been representative of your substance. In fact, if you remember back in the 70s, I don't know how many of y'all will even admit to this, but bread was a term that was like, there was groovy, there were other words, but it's like, man, I'd love to go out to eat, but I don't have any bread, man, you know? <laughs> you always said man after bread, because that was the cool thing, man, I don't have any bread, man. <laughs> bread was substance, bread was something. But you know, also in the word of God, Jesus is the bread of life. Amen. 
Okay, so I'm going to keep all of these. We're talking physic and spirit all at the same time as we go through this passage. So bread is a metaphor for stuff that we have and what the writer of Ecclesiastes, in fact, this was called the teaching book. He was trying to teach us to give, to give it away. But he also was teaching us to cast, which means you had to throw it in the Hebrew. It meant open hand. Okay? So for example, if I took some money in my hand... And I said, now I'm going to throw this money out, and if you catch it, it's yours. And I do this, but I don't let go. What did I really throw out? Nothing. Nothing. That's right. And empty hot promises will make people like this. In fact, I know I've shared this with you, but Chris and I learned something the very first year of our marriage, which was a very rocky year. God did a lot in her life. <laughs> By changing me. <laughs> yeah. I told you it was rocky, okay? All right. But we had this symbol, and it meant that when we were like this, we were not receiving anything in the argument. You might as well have been yelling at a wall because our spirit was like this. And I learned to discern when her spirit was like this and I knew to back off. And I would come back later and I'd say, you know what, we need to talk about that issue. Can we talk about this? And when her spirit was like this, we could communicate. You see, when I walk up and I say, hey, Greg, I'm coming with an open hand. You see? But if I walk up and say, Sarah, hey, she's like, do what? Is he going to hit me, or am I fist-pounding, or what? You see, do you see this, the difference between open hand? In fact, they've even said, here's a tip for you shoppers. If you want to return something and you don't have the receipt, walk up and lay your hands down on the... On the I'm not making this up. I've, I've read this. Psychologically, when you lay your hands down on the counter and say, Hi, I'd like to return this, I don't have a receipt, this is a... Uh, a surrendering kind of thing. You walk in and you put your knuckles down on that, you're sending a message, hey, it's go time. Yeah. <laughs> you want to argue about this? And, and you do not have favor when you start off like that. Start off with open hands. Now, you, somebody's going to do that this way and be like, okay, I don't have a receipt. You know, it's like, why are you doing that? Well, my pastor told me to do it because I'd have favor. <laughs> That'll at least get you the sympathy vote, okay? All right, we'll return it, okay? open hands. The reason why you have to cast it out on the waters is because you have to let it go. Let it go. That'd be a good book to write. Just let it go, okay? Because what happens is, not you, but other people tend to give, but they give with strings attached to it. All of a sudden they want to know who and how that gift is being used. And do those people deserve that gift? Did those people thank you enough for that gift? Did they know that it was me that gave that? Because, you know, I don't want it to be ambiguous. I, I want them to know that I gave that. That's not real giving. That's conditional giving. Conditional giving comes from conditional hearts. Conditional hearts have conditional love. There is no conditional love with God. God loves us. God loves us even in our weakness, even in the filth of our sins, God loved us. We don't have to clean ourselves up to become acceptable. He comes into the filthiness of our lives and cleans us up through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. 
If you are searching for perfection before you have a perfect relationship with God, you will never achieve that on your own. Humble yourself. Let him increase. Let you decrease. And you will see growth. Tossing it out. Making sure that others receive this. Solomon says to be generous and give as throwing bread. And then he says, because you will get a blessing coming back in the days to come. So how does this proverb apply to our life? The word cast in Hebrew means to send it out. You're sending it out. Have you ever casted a, a, a fishing rod? Right? You cast, it projects it out. God doesn't want us to just be generous with our valuables and invest in ourselves. We need to send what he has given us, not only physically, but spiritually, the bread of life, out to others. Now I'm going to put a pin in this one. And I'm going to take a little side trail just for 10 seconds. And I'm going to say, your words are also what you're casting out in front of you. If you're casting words of fear and failure, then guess what's waiting for you up ahead? If doubt is what you are casting, guess what's waiting for you? Your words are going before you and waiting for you. So when you start speaking negatively over a person or a situation, that's what you've sown. Okay, I'm going to take the pen out and I'm going to get back to this message. So we have the ability to cast our bread upon the water. We can choose to eat the bread. We can just invest it in ourselves. Bless you. We can, send, we can send it out. And I suggest that we send it out because there is a sea of people out there that are hungry. There is a sea of people out there that are hungry. Not only for the physical gift that you can give, the spiritual gift that you can give, Sharing Christ, sharing the hope that Christ has brought into your life, how he brought you through a situation. They need to hear those little things. Because they're being bombarded by a lot of negative things. And the church isn't saying positive things anymore. People need to hear. I have three points that I'd like to share with you today. Number one, if you don't send anything out, you can't expect anything to come in. If you don't send anything out, don't expect anything to come in. God does not reward laziness. God does not re reward idleness. You have to step out. You have to send something out. You have to trust God when you're investing your lives. God just doesn't bless you for existing. I'm sorry if I'm breaking any bubbles in your minds right now, but God created you for a purpose, not just to exist, not just to get an accumulation of wealth and popularity and happiness and not make a difference in anyone else's life. We as a church have been called just not to exist so that we can keep this dance studio on Sunday morning occupied. We are called to make a difference in lives. That's why on Tuesday nights we're out knocking on doors, we're leaving cards, we're praying for our community. On Wednesday nights what Austin's wanting to do is go so many weeks of teaching and then have an, an outreach event so that we can touch lives. 
We need to be doing that whether we're here in the church or in our home or in our workplace. If you haven't thrown anything else out, it's kind of useless sitting by the seashore waiting for it to come in. God allows us to be involved in people's lives. Have you ever thought about that? We cannot be the people who want this great garden, but we're really not interested in sowing much seed. The tilling, it's just too hot outside. Watering, well, you know, Pastor, we're under water restrictions, so we might be want to conserve on that. Pulling weeds, let's let the youth do that because they're younger. But I'll tell you what, when it's harvest time, count on me to be there, Pastor. I'm there. That's not the way life happens. We need to be involved. We need to get out and do. We need to sow into other people's lives so that we will see it coming through. Faith is not about playing it safe. Faith is not about playing it safe. Last week we talked about how Peter stepped out of the boat. Do you all remember that? Peter stepped out of the boat on faith. God is never going to drag you out of your boat. Thank you for that. Amen. Come on. Okay. God is not going to drag you out of your comfort boat. You have to step out. And I'll tell you, I've stepped out of that boat a few times. And it is exhilarating and it is also scary. But there is more of God in me exhilarating me than fear that's inside of me saying, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? I say, shut up inside. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue. You need to start quoting scriptures when you start thinking those fear thoughts. Anything. Jesus wept. I don't care. Start speaking the word of God. I pray that Jesus wept will get a few other scriptures. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only... In, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I know that, yeah. Speak the word. Step out in faith. If you want to experience supernatural things, you're going to have to step out of your little boat into the supernatural world. Casting seed ahead of us. What are we expecting? What are we expecting for our families? What are we expecting for our lives? What are we expecting for our growth in Christ? Are we expecting to lead others to Christ? Or is that even on our checklist for the year? Are we expecting to see healings taking place when we lay hands on believers because it says the, the, uh, the prayers of a righteous person availeth much? Or are we just saying, well, you know, let's go through the process. Point number two is so as much as possible. Ecclesiastes 11.2, the following verse says divide what you have into seven or even eight parts because you don't know what disaster may happen on the earth let me give you a little background on something back then um, harvesting was a was a pretty big deal and farmers did not have the internet to sell their 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 crops they didn't have Facebook ad pages. They didn't have telephones. So literally, if you were a farmer and you grew this crop, 
you would take it down local market. And Daniel says, hey, Mark, I'd, I'd love to, but we're, we're full. We got everybody else's harvest. We're selling and things are kind of going a little slow right now. So what I had to do at that time is I had to hire a boat and a captain to take my harvest and I watched that float away to go to other ports. And the more that I hired ships, the more that there was a chance of a return because there were still pirates back then. And there were still shipwrecks. There were still dishonest captains. But you literally saw your harvest going out on the water and you prayed for a return, okay, because that's how you fed your family. And if you allowed more than one sea captain to go out, there was a better chance that that would come out. What also this is referring to us is that we need to be sowing in multiple areas and not just to one area. We can't be just a Sunday-only sower. We can't just be focusing in oppor all opportunities on, on one person or, or one area. I think the reason why it even said seven or eight is because there's seven days in a week and he, they're wanting you to sow into people's lives. Don't just think that on Sunday you should do something nice like you over-tipped your waitress and man, that was your Christian duty for the week and you take the rest of the week off. We are called to be salt and light every moment that we are awake. And it means that's going to happen on Tuesday evenings and on Thursday mornings early when you're stuck in traffic. Saturday afternoons when you want to just rest and relax and somebody's calling you. We have to invest in a lot of people in areas, not just at our school or at our work or say, this is my one calling. That's like getting cable and saying, we're just going to watch one channel. You have 500, but you're just going to watch one. So we'll block all 499 of them. I think sometimes God sees this as, why are you limiting yourself to just this one little area when I have given you the ability in my word and power and authority to be able to go out and impact thousands? Thanks, Dino. Hundreds even. Number three. Don't wait for per perfect circumstances to invest. <sighs> Ecclesiastics 11, 3 and 4. If the clouds are full of rain, they will let it pour down on the earth. And if a tree falls north or south, the tree will remain where it fell. And whoever watches the wind will never plant. And whoever looks at the clouds will never harvest. What does this mean, Pastor? First off, what do clouds bring? Rain. Rain is water. Water is life. There's a lot of references in the scriptures to the water being the flow of God in lives. The anointing. Life bringing. Guess, now this isn't a trick question. Guess who the clouds are? Yes, Dino, thank you very much, okay? <laughs> because we are full of God's Spirit, and we can go and reign and bring life 
and the Word of God to dry and thirsty areas. You're like, wait, where, where are we? I want to get to the tree falling north and south. Okay, we're going to get there. And it says also, if a tree, a tree falls north or south, the tree will remain where it fell. Now, I am not an expert in, what's it called? Forestry. I was going to say husbandry, but isn't that? Yeah. That's, husbandry? No, it's landscape. Yeah. Forestry. Let's stay with that word. But I think if I came out of my yard and my tree is laying down on my yard, that's not a good thing. I know that, okay? I know that a tree laying flat on my ground is not a good thing. In fact, probably the life of that tree is over. Okay, that's not rocket science right there, okay? So what happens is when our life is over, where we land, that's pretty much it. That's the amount of influence that we had. Okay? We're no longer giving shade or protection to anyone. Our life is over when it falls, and that's where you're going to be. So we have the opportunity while we are still standing to make a difference. Then it says, whoever watches the wind will never plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will never harvest. See, if you wait for everything to be perfect, you will, before you make a move of God, before you think that this is the right timing... Let me tell you, you will never have enough money to make a, a decision. Well, we'll get married when I raise this much money. <laughs> You'll be single a long, long time because everything will always be changing. Well, when we have this much money, that's when we'll have children. When, when, when I raise this much money, that's when I will go online and get a degree to, to counsel people or, or to encourage people or, or I'll go back to school to, to learn what God is calling me to do. Life will always have situations. Fair weather Christianity never gets anything done. I know all of us have said this. One of these days, I, I've done that. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to get to that. Somewhere down the road, that's a part of my, my ministry or my life. But do you remember the 12 spies that went into the promised land? And only two, Caleb and Joshua, came back with a positive report. In fact, Numbers 14, verses 8 through 10 says, If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. This land is flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. Some of us will never cross our Jordan because of fear and unbelief. We're waiting for a perfect situation. We're waiting for other people in our lives to encourage us and do everything for us so that we feel that that's the sign from God. I've gotten very cautious about putting signs and conditions on the move of God. And let me tell you why. I know God is capable, but I also know Satan is listening. God... If 13 people come up and shake my hand after this message and tell me it's one of the best messages, I will, I will do this. Do you think Satan could encourage some people to go up and shake my hand? Yeah. Was that God's will for me to, to now do that? No. But you know what? When I'm praying, and I'm praying in the Spirit, Satan has no idea what's happening. Some of us talk a little too much. 
God is still greater than Satan, but I don't want him knowing my plans. Especially when it involves ministry or people's lives or destiny. Pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit confuses all the demonic forces. They did an interview with people at retirement homes. The largest regret was that they didn't try more things in their life. They did not try more things in their life. And now they see that their physical body is not going to give them the strength to do that. Wasted years. I want you to know I'd, I'd rather try and fail than fail not trying. Don't ever consider investment into somebody's life as a waste. Most important thing I just said was right there, next to God's word. Don't ever consider investing in somebody's life a waste. But they're not changing, Pastor. They're not doing what I want them to do. You're sowing seed. You're sowing seed. You're sowing seed. You're sowing seed. Don't give up. See, we don't understand God's plans and ways. We look at things this way. God looks at things this way. But God, look, at, look, look. He's like, Mark, look, look. No, 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 God, look, look. Who's going to win? God. Or I can take my marbles and go home. And people do that. Because God didn't look at this when he wanted you to look at this. I want us to look at everything we do this way. Pray. God, give me your eyes. Give me your ears. Give me your heart. May I see people the way you see people. Unconditional. Not through prejudice. Not through judgmental eyes. Not through deceit. We love unconditionally. If we sow, and we sow, and we sow, the Word of God says that waves are going to start coming in Amen. with blessing, Amen. with blessing, with blessing, right. with blessing. In fact, I think blessings are going to start overtaking us that we'll forget even the seed that we sowed because we're just, it's just our habit. We're constantly encouraging in our words. We're constantly giving when there's a need. We're constantly loving. When I say giving, this is not a message about to increase your tithes and offerings. This is so much more than just your physical gift of money. It's your gift of love. It's your gift of mercy. It's your gift of time. It's your gift of just interceding for somebody when, when your world is busy. I don't have time to pray for these other people's problems. Wrong answer. Start saying, God, would you give me a heart to learn how to pray for others and not just pray for myself? And then all of a sudden that scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And then all these things are going to be added unto us. I'm going to tell you that life is hard. <laughs> and it, sometimes it can be discouraging. And it seems sometimes the more you try, the less results you see. 
But you have to keep making the effort. You have to keep casting your bread upon the water. You have to start sending it before you. And one day you'll see the returns. In closing, I have a last passage. Galatians 6, 9 through 10. Paul gives us this encouragement. It says, we can't allow ourselves to get tired of living the right way. Just got to stop. Let you just soak that in for a second. Do you ever get tired? Do you ever get tired of always just knowing that you've got to do the right thing when everybody else is doing the wrong thing? Everybody else is cheating and getting away with things, and we're called to do the right thing. And it's just not a Monday, Wednesday, Friday option. It is seven days a week. We can't allow ourselves to get tired of living the right way. Certainly, each of us will receive everlasting life at the proper time if we don't give up. Verse 10, whenever we have the opportunity, we have to do what is good for everyone, especially for the family of believers. Whenever we have the opportunity, not when it's just convenient, whenever we have the opportunity. God is calling us to a higher standard. I am tired of average Christianity. I want so much more of God. I hunger and thirst for more of Him. And you know what? I've been sowing and I've been sowing and sowing and I've been looking and there are times when I don't see anything coming back. But I have to sow more because I trust in the Word of God. I base my life on the Word of God. I think God is looking for people who are sold out. Sold out Christians who seek more after him than anything else in this world. You talk about blessings. God will bless you more than this government will ever bless you. God will bless you more than your clients and customers will ever be able to bless you. God will bless your spirit more than other people's words of encouragement. If you've ever gotten alone with God and got into his presence, you will get addicted to that peace that passes all understanding. But pastor, I'm I'm just too busy and, and I've got all these people in my life and I've got this situation and I've got work and I've got this and it just makes me so angry. Guess what? You just got detoured. You got played like a fiddle at an Ozark country jamboree. And I don't want to be played like a fiddle by Satan. I've got to stay in the word of God. I've got to keep doing the right things. I've got to keep sowing even when I don't feel like sowing. I've got to sow even when I feel like I don't have anything to sow. You may not have $100 that you can give somebody today, but you can give them a word of encouragement. You can pray for them. You can intercede. You can let them know, I have been praying for you all afternoon. You know how much that's going to cost you? And you're sowing seed. You're sowing seed. When somebody deserves judgment, give them mercy. When somebody deserves a well-written email response, give them forgiveness. We need to sow, cast ahead of ourselves, forgiveness, mercy, joy, peace, financial blessings. 
speaking healing over our bodies, Amen. speaking blessings over our business, speaking blessings over our children, speaking blessings over our country, over our leaders. They may be not doing what you want them to do right now. Start speaking blessings over them. Casting it ahead of you and seeing what comes back. I want us to make our life count for God. I want to make our life count for others. I want our lives to count for something. So that if you get interviewed in a retirement home one day, you say, I have no regrets. I have fought a good fight. I have, I've run the race. And I am ready for the next chapter. Can we be a church of no regrets? If so, we've got to do more in outreach. We've got to figure out ways to touch lives and not just wait for them to come up in here on Sunday morning. Give me your ideas. Give me what's passionate inside of you. What do we need to do to make impact in other people's lives? Change souls. Salvation. Water baptism. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Praying a blessing over you today. A blessing that you will walk in the purpose that God created you to be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us the ability to make a difference in our world. We can change those who are living in poverty. We can change those that are living in abundance. Father, that we can bring hope and joy into situations that have despair and grief. That we can bring peace into volatile situations. And Lord, let it start in us. Let it start in us. Change our hearts. Let us shake off the filth of this world. Let us strive after you and your word and your peace that passes all understanding, that it truly would guard our hearts. May our words build up and not tear down. Forgive us, God, for words that we have spoken this week alone. Forgive us for words that we have spoken in the past. And may our words be used to give life and not death. May our actions truly reflect the love of Christ. May we become unselfish in our actions, in our ways. Give us strength, God, for those who are tired. Give us vision for those who don't see your way right now. Father, we thank you that your word says that we can do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we could ever ask or think. And we as a church believe your word and that your promises are yes and amen. And you are about to change our world through us. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to speak a blessing over you as we close. So if you will please stand.
want to thank you for coming today. According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming today. God bless you.